I'm Slayton Holster with Slayton Holster Farms in San Angelo, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you with us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. I'll have the heater cranked up high as we take a ride around the Lone Star State to cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, disaster relief for 2022 is on the way for Texas farmers and ranchers. Congress passed the omnibus spending bill a few days ago, and it includes funding for what used to be the old WIP Plus program, now called the Emergency Relief Program. We'll have details on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With massive cotton failure around the Texas High Plains this year, a lot of sorghum went into the ground as a replant crop. But the results were not all that good for that crop either. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Supporting improved livestock genetics to decrease greenhouse gas emissions while maintaining agricultural productivity. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on this Climate Smart Solution program on Texas Ag Today. There is not a weather pattern in Central Texas anymore, just random changes. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Congress passed a $1.7 trillion omnibus spending package this week. It provides funding for several agricultural programs, including disaster relief for 2022. The old WIP Plus program is now called the Emergency Relief Program, and it is funded for this past year, according to Texas Farm Bureau's National Legislative Director, Laramie Adams. This Emergency Relief Program has been funded for another year. We'll have to wait and see how they roll that out, exactly what rule methodology they use. We're just going to have to watch that and uh, make sure that it gets out to our producers in a timely and effective manner. So the bottom line is there will be disaster relief coming for Texas farmers and ranchers who have suffered one of the worst years in recent memory. Yes, sir. Uh, that's, that's exactly how I'd put it. Looking at 2022, I think you can visit with pretty much uh, any farmer in any area of the state. And it's been an extremely challenging year with everything that's led up to it. And then just the lack of rain across the state for the first part of the year. We're glad that uh, they got this included. Uh, Our work doesn't end there, though. We have to make sure that USDA implements this in in the correct fashion. We're already in touch with folks at uh, FSA, USDA, just trying to stay in touch with them to make sure that this is all rolled out in an effective way. Here's a look at some of the numbers in the bill. $40.6 billion authorized for drought, hurricanes, flooding, wildfire, and natural disasters. 
$3.7 billion in disaster aid for farmers to cover 2022 crop and livestock losses, $250 million in aid to rice producers, and $100 million to cotton merchandisers to make up for losses related to the pandemic or supply chain disruptions. USDA previously provided $80 million in aid to textile mills and other cotton users. Seriously cold weather has moved into Texas, creating a lot of stress on livestock. Oklahoma State Extension Veterinary Specialist Dr. Rosalind Biggs says hay is in short supply this year, but cow herds will need it to keep the rumen active and generate warmth. We've, we've got to keep that in mind. We want to keep those protein and energy um, thresholds ready to go for those animals and keep them running in the cold. But an even bigger challenge than feed in this kind of weather is water. Don't forget water. That's a big one, right? Uh, particularly as we're short in many areas, ponds are down, etc. Making sure that those livestock have got access to clean, fresh uh, water is going to be key. Dr. Rosalind Biggs at Oklahoma State. With massive cotton failure all around the Texas High Plains this year, a lot of sorghum went into some of those failed fields. But James Hunt tells us the results were not all that good. Here in the Texas High Plains, if cotton fields fail, sorghum is the go-to choice as a replant crop for many farmers. So with widespread cotton losses experienced around the region, it seems logical that this could have been a big year for sorghum. Well, you would think so. <laughs> but as uh, everything else, 2022 is not necessarily following the norms. That's Dr. Brent Bean with the sorghum checkoff. Dr. Bean says in many cases, our extreme dry conditions and hot temperatures this summer were too much even for sorghum. Of course, we think of sorghum as being a drought, heat-tolerant crop, but that only goes so far. And so there were some tough yields out there on sorghum. There were quite a few people that ended up just, because the price was so good, just cutting it for hay, which turned out okay for them, I think, for the most part. And, and, and you know, there were certainly some decent yields around, kind of depending on where you were at. But it, it was a tough year uh, from a grain yield standpoint. In fact, the government estimates sorghum grain production nationwide will be the lowest in nearly 60 years. So not a good year overall for sorghum, despite some exceptions, like one particular example Dr. Bean witnessed down around Plainview. That field, they were actually about ready to call the insurance agent and just disaster it out because of the drought and hurricane aid issues. And, you know, it just looked terrible. And, oh, kind of that first week of August, we, we did get some good rain. And that solid sorghum responded just remarkably well. And when I saw it, I guess it was towards the end of September, uh, I don't know what it finally ended up yielding, but it was going to be a good yield. Just a kind of reminder of how if you do finally get those rains, how well sorghum can respond. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA is making a multi-million dollar investment in Texas beef production. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The U.S. Department of Agriculture and Texas A&M University Kingsville have announced a new project that establishes a new climate-smart commodity, namely feeder cattle sired by bulls. On a recent trip to uh, Kingsville and um, 
also fell furious in South Texas at the Los Hermanos Ranch. USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation Robert Bonney was there to explain uh, how the $4.7 million project will work. He joins me now, and Undersecretary Bonney, how will it work? So the idea here is, is to support improved genetics and livestock operations to reduce greenhouse gas emissions even while we maintain agricultural productivity. You know, there are a lot of things we can do on the livestock side to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, whether it be improved grazing management or methane digesters or feed additives. But one of the things that's, that's exciting is, is improved genetics. When will this project take off? We've just announced these grants here recently and we'll begin negotiations with all the project leads. And hopefully uh, later this spring, we can start to move uh, resources in a way that'll benefit producers on the ground. Now, this also would uh, allow participating ranchers to differentiate their calves and market those calves to prospective buyers based on climate smart outcomes. So one of the things we're interested in is taking advantage of some of these emerging markets that have the potential to pay farmers, ranchers, and forest owners to produce climate smart commodities. Partner with, with producers, to partner with folks in agribusiness to create new markets that will allow producers to get paid for these types of things. That is USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, Robert Bonney. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It seems there is no such thing as a weather pattern in Central Texas. Dr. Shane McClellan says it has now become just random weather changes. Weather in Central Texas doesn't really follow seasonal patterns anymore. The seasonal weather, I would expect, it just doesn't happen. And the only consistent thing we see with weather in this the Central Texas area, Blacklands, is change. Uh, luckily, we have continued to see some moisture. The rain we have received has been good for the emerging wheat notes. Wheat fields look really good. However, local IPM agent Tyler Mays is finding hessian fly larvae out in the fields, and he is expecting hessian fly to possibly be a problem again for wheat production here in Central Texas. We'll just have to wait and see. The rains we have received have also benefited our area pastures as they've greened up and offered livestock some grazing. We have had more overcast days than sunny days, and that has slowed the overall grass growth. The overcast days have been so bad that my solar-powered fence chargers for electric fences, they don't have enough power to keep the batteries charged. It's been really overcast. As far as rainfall goes, in the last year, we've really only had one good runoff type rainfall event to catch water for stock tanks. That rain raised our stock tank levels drastically. We're actually still somewhat in a drought. We don't have any deep soil moisture. Looking back 365 days, depending on where you live, you're either negative 8 or negative 16 inches compared to our normal rainfall over the last year. really need more soaking rains. We're only 51 days from planting corn, so we need some rain in between now and then to replenish that deep soil moisture. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is proposing a rule change that would differentiate where special exceptions to state fishing regulations are in place on Choke Canyon Reservoir and OH Ivy Reservoir. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And scratches is a common problem on horses' legs in the winter. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Scratches is a common problem on horses' legs in the winter. Dr. Bob Judd says it can be a difficult condition to treat. Scratches is an inflammation and infection of the skin on the lower legs of horses. The disease is correctly called equine pasture dermatitis, but it can also occur on the skin covering the cannon bones as well, especially on the hind legs. Dr. Sarah Kaiser-Thorne with the Swiss Institute of Equine Medicine indicates in the horse publication that the bacterial population on horses with scratches is different than those on horses without scratches. She indicates staph is the most common organism found in the lesions, but researchers ran genome sequencing on skin samples from 80 horses with scratches with three different forms of the disease. They found the bacteria was much different on affected legs, and there was a major difference in bacteria present on the skin that was treated with antibiotics, suggesting that resistant bacteria, especially staph, may be an issue. This does not mean that staph causes scratches, just that it is associated with the disease. We do know that the disease is most common in the fall and winter, especially when it is wet and muddy. The most common treatment of scratches is clipping the hair off the legs and removing the scabs. This sounds easy, but it is not in many cases, as these lesions are very tender and painful, and removing these scabs usually requires your veterinarian to sedate the horse and then slowly soak the scabs off. After this is done, I apply a cream that is antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory, and the antimicrobial agent is not an antibiotic, but a disinfectant. If the bacteria could be resistant to antibiotics, it is unlikely to be resistant to a disinfectant. The product I use is called Wound Wonder RX, and it contains chlorhexidine as the antimicrobial and triamcinolone as the steroid to reduce inflammation and scabbing. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is proposing a rule change for fishing regulations on a couple of Texas lakes. Jessica Domel explains in today's Wildlife Report. Today we have additional information on proposed changes to freshwater fishing regulations for the 2023-2024 season. Michael Tennant, Regulations and Policy Coordinator for the Inland Fisheries Division at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, previewed the proposals at a recent Parks and Wildlife Commission hearing. He said TPWD staff are proposing delineation of upstream reservoir boundaries for Choke Canyon Reservoir and for OHIV Reservoir. Blue and Channel Catfish Special Harvest Exceptions are in place for Choke Canyon Reservoir. Law enforcement has identified a need to establish the upstream reservoir boundary to delineate where these exceptions apply. The potential rule change would delineate the upstream boundary as the State Highway 16 bridges on the Frio River and San Miguel Creek to differentiate between the reservoir 
Corridor, where special exceptions apply in the inflowing rivers. Largemouth bass special harvest exceptions are in place for OHIB Reservoir. Inland fishery staff and law enforcement has identified a need to establish the upstream reservoir boundary to delineate where these exceptions apply. A potential rule change would delineate the upstream boundary as the FM Road 129 bridge on the Colorado River and Amos Creek on the Concho River to differentiate between the reservoir where special exceptions apply in the inflowing rivers. TPWD is also proposing a correction to the upstream reservoir boundary road name for Lake Conroe in Montgomery and Walker counties. The department has determined that there is an error in the upstream boundary defined for Lake Conroe in the Texas Administrative Code. Existing department publications reflect the correct road name and thus conflict with enforceable provisions currently in the Texas Administrative Code. Parks and Wildlife is considering one more regulation change. I'll have more on that on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed close in the live cattle market on Thursday while the bottom dropped out of the cotton market. We'll check out all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Thursday was the last trading day for the agricultural markets heading into the Christmas holiday. Traders will be taking both Friday and Monday off for Christmas. Live cattle finished Thursday's trade mixed with the December contract down 22 cents, 155.90, February down 40. 157.30, April live cattle up 15 cents, 161.32. Feeder cattle closed higher, January feeders up 15 cents, 183.97. March feeders up 72 at 186.45, while April feeder cattle gained 55 cents Thursday to close at 189.90. Cash fed cattle trade somewhat slow for the week. We did see sales here in Texas at 155. That is steady with the last couple of weeks. Up north in Nebraska, they had light cash trade at 158 on a live basis. Boxed beef higher on Thursday. Choice up a dollar 88, 266.74. Select up 391 at 240.20. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Benny Cox, my guest today, producers in Cargyle Sheep and Goat Sale, last one of the year. Benny, how did it turn out? I told you yesterday I thought it might pick up some and hoped that it would, and my golly, it did. We had we ended up having over 4,000, though. That means we caught over 1,000, 2,900. That's, that's a crazy number. 
Um, we just got along crazy good. There was a lot of additional talent there. Uh, the Wolf Feeder Labs, we didn't have very many of them, but we had some that were were just like the ones we'd had the two weeks prior or from the same ranch company. They were 20 to $30 higher on these uh, hair sheep. The light end of those slaughter labs were anywhere. Oh, I say the light end, the heavy end, too. They're anywhere from 30 to $50 a hundred higher than what we've been seeing. Uh, slaughter use kind of five to ten higher not a whole lot of those on offer uh the kid goes 25 to 30 dollars higher on these slaughtered nannies they sold in a range from a dollar to a dollar 65 mostly 140 to 151 which is certainly higher and the slaughter bill is still hot anywhere from 180 on some of those old thin things uh up to as high as 301 but mostly uh 230 to 250 or 60 almost the spread on the wool feeder lambs is anywhere from 230 all the way up to 250 the uh slaughter lambs uh, the hair sheet type the lighter end of those 250 to 410 and those 410s definitely went to kill they weighed up there in the high 50 uh some heavier weights 160 to uh, 310 on your slaughter use anywhere from 80 to 137 but mostly 90 to 120 kid goats sold on race from 230 to 367 but mostly 312 as we mentioned last sale for the year when will y'all come back our first sale will be on tuesday january the third all right we'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you i know you want to thank folks for their business for the year sure do and wish them a happy holiday and a prosperous wet new year yes sir uh, yes sir we need that uh, yeah, they can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. They can call the office, but probably won't be any there most of the next 10 days. It'll be 653-3371. But they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures trade now, where lean hogs finished higher Thursday. February hogs up 65 cents, 89.05. Class 3 milk was mixed, December milk down a penny, 20, 56, 100 weight, while January milk was up 49 cents, 1922, 100. The cotton market limit down on the nearby March contract. Thursday morning's export sales report was a killer for the market. It actually had a negative number on it, so negative sales for the week. That's because China canceled a big number of previous sales commitments. And that plunged the market sharply lower. March cotton down the limit, 400 points, 84.30. May cotton down 378 at 83.85, while new crop December cotton was down 272 to close at 81.07. Not much movement in the corn market Thursday. March corn down one and three quarters, 660 and a half, while new crop September corn was unchanged, 615 a bushel. This cold blast helped to push wheat prices higher once again on Thursday. Concerns that there is no snow cover from Kansas all the way down to Oklahoma and Texas, and we could possibly see some winter kill. Of course, that's yet to be seen, but they're baking it into the market. Hard wheat finishing higher on that news. March up two cents, 866 a bushel. New crop July up three and a half. 852 and three quarters. However, that is not affecting the soft wheat market. March Chicago wheat down five and a half, 762 and a quarter. In the energy markets, January natural gas down 26 cents at 506. February crude oil down 10, 7819 a barrel. The financial markets lower Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 453 points, 39,923. The Nasdaq down 274 at 10,435. The S&P down 69, 3,808. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.